Western culture very narrowly defines a religion as generally speaking a philosophy with a definitive stand on the existence of God. Now I say Western culture because the way that Eastern cultures deal with the idea of what we would consider to be God is a little bit different than the way that Western cultures deal with it, and I'm going to mainly want to be addressing Western culture. So in Western culture, a religion is generally defined as a philosophy, as I said before, with a definitive stand on the existence of God. And more narrowly, the existence of which particular kind of God and how human beings should relate to that God. That is generally considered a religion, as far as most Westerners are concerned. Uh, one could continue and say that religions address the idea of whether or not there is an afterlife, but that is a much narrower definition of religion than I think um, most in Western culture who are more or less educated in the field um, would understand that that is not necessarily part of the criteria. Whether or not there is an afterlife is not necessarily part of the criteria that we would use to define a religion. Generally speaking, it is but not necessarily. So, <clears throat> when we think about the existence of God, it's impossible to think about it in a way that encompasses the grandiose and unfathomable enormity of what a God would be. Obviously, we can't possibly under uh, our current circumstances as biological life forms, we can't possibly understand what that God would be like. So every time we imagine that God, we're imagining a much, much, much smaller version of that God, a much lesser version. Um, well, what is God? Generally speaking, we believe in the West that God is um, the thing that created the universe. So, let's think about that for a moment. The universe is everything. And before the universe, there was nothing. By definition, there could be nothing. Because if there was anything at all, the universe would have already existed as that thing. So therefore, the universe, the something, the everything, was necessarily born of nothing. Nothing. Therefore, whether or not you believe in God, it generally tends to point logically to the same conclusion, that before there was something, there was nothing. And if something was created, 
It had to have been created by nothing. Whether you are a theist or an atheist, you come to the same rational conclusion. The meaning behind this conclusion may differ, the philosophy behind the conclusion may differ, but it is generally the same conclusion that nothing created the universe, and before the universe, there was nothing. Now, if you choose to believe um, what I would consider to be the orthodox atheist ideology, then the nothing was nothing. It was completely random and meaningless. Um, there is no greater consciousness to the universe. Uh, and as far as we know, human beings are the most complex conscious entities in that universe. That's the orthodox what I call orthodox. I, I, that's kind of a, a joke, but that's what I call the orthodox atheist ideology. Essentially, it's the philosophy behind that that determines whether you give it meaning or not. So the only thing that is different between the atheist idea of the beginning of the universe and the theist idea of the beginning of the universe is how much intention is involved. And since it is simply a matter of your philosophy, the way you choose to decide how nothing created something, or if there was meaning, or if there is no meaning, that is for you, personally. Your universe is affected by that, not the universe. So, if you stop and think about it for just a minute, and, and the circular logic of the thing, that... Atheists and theists believe the same thing. Now, when we talk about God, we have to decide if this God is nothing, which can exist for eternity in all directions? Or is this God something? Which, to be something, you must have some, some border between you and nothing. Between you and there must be some definition to you for you to be a thing. So if you think about a God that is something instead of nothing, then you think about a God that is honed in, hemmed in, excuse me, by the parameters of the definition of themselves as a thing. So therefore, the only thing that can be eternal in all directions, with no borders, with no parameters, with no attributes, with nothing that would, would bind it in, the only thing that could truly exist that way 
is nothing. Now, let's take it a step further. Let's say you believe that there was nothing, and then there was God, and then God created a separate thing from itself called the universe. Even that doesn't work. Because for there to be nothing, there must have been absolutely nothing. And there must in some way still exist a state of absolutely nothing. Because if there is anything in a three-dimensional universe, or we actually live in a four-dimensional universe, we're three-dimensional beings, um, uh, whatever. The, the point I'm trying to make is that if anything ever exists, then it always has existed. Because if you step one dimension back, step into the fifth dimension, then you see the fourth dimension, time, as a almost a spatial dimension. The way that we three-dimensional beings um, if you existed in two dimensions and someone drew a square around you, you would be trapped in that square. You back up one dimension to three-dimensional beings, and then now you can just step out of the square because the square is just a drawing on the floor. You've, given, you've been given an extra dimension, a spatial dimension, so you can move over it. Now, imagine you're in a cage. And suddenly you're given a temporal dimension. Well, now you can simply go to a place before that cage existed or after that cage does not exist and step right out of it. So, <laughs> that's... Uh, Anyway, that's just trying to talk to address the idea that maybe there was no God at some point, and then poof, God came into existence, and then poof, the universe came into existence. No, sorry, doesn't work that way. Can't work that way. Uh, logically, I mean, I don't know, maybe it can, but logically speaking, can't work that way. So, the point that I'm trying to get at is that there is a... version of the necessity of the universe that is meaningless. And there is a version that is meaningful. And the only difference at all in any way between these two versions is what you personally choose to believe. If you believe that it was meaningless, that everything is meaningless, well, the physics of the universe and all of the actions that happen in that universe won't change. They'll be the same, even if you believe that's completely meaningless. Now, if you choose to believe that everything is meaningful, everything in the universe will still happen the way that it is supposed to happen, the way that it absolutely must happen, it's the same. The laws of physics are the same. The same events will take place. You will just choose to give those events meaning. Or you will choose not to give those events meaning. But it doesn't matter. 
Now, moving on to the idea of, uh, of an afterlife in a religion. This is interesting in a couple of ways, because, <clears throat> of course, as I was saying earlier, depending upon which dimension you are existing in, um, there is no such thing as birth or death, really. I mean, these are events that happen, but they're, they're not, they're not the, uh, the, the brevity of your existence is not, um, a reality. It is an illusion because you are only able to experience it with one temporal dimension, meaning that you are only able to ever see your life as from birth to death. That's the way that you see it because of the nature of the kind of being that you are. But any other being, looking at it from a higher dimension, sees you existing for all of eternity because at one point you did exist. So, that's an idea of an afterlife. Um, another idea of an afterlife is if there is this all knowing, completely omniscient God, then that God remembers you perfectly, remembers every thought or idea or fleeting whim that you have ever had, ever. And therefore, you exist as a perfect, perfect replication of yourself in the memory of God forever. You exist forever because God remembers you so precisely that you literally exist as a memory. That's another version. Another version is an idea that at the beginning of the universe, when everything <coughs> popped into being and is being pulled apart by the void outside of itself, when that popped into being, only a an infinitely small amount of time existed where there was consciousness, where the nothingness became conscious and immediately created everything. So, a perfect... <coughs> excuse me. A perfect universal consciousness existed... And was shattered immediately. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, yes, a a perfect consciousness existed for an infinitely small amount of time before it created the entire universe and everything in it, and itself in the process, was shattered into countless shards of consciousness that exist in the universe. And that it is the automatic nature of the universe 
to evolve life and to evolve sentient life and to evolve conscious, self-aware life to collect that shattered consciousness and that every lifetime that you live is that shard of broken consciousness that is just growing larger and larger and larger. And you're collecting more and more and more consciousness. And that eventually... All of the consciousness in the universe will coalesce into one perfect universal consciousness. In other words, you, because you exist, you are a small sliver of God, of the consciousness of God. And that's the afterlife. That's your eternal reward, is that you coalesce with all of the other consciousness in the universe, every other human that has ever existed, every alien being that has ever existed that is able, uh, that is self-aware. It's all you. And you eventually coalesce. And you are God. And everyone is God. And that's how you live forever. These are all ideas But even if none of these things are real, even if none of these things exist, even if when you die, you simply just die, that's it. Even then, there is still a necessity of existence. Not only because of the temporal dimension, but because information cannot be destroyed. Ever. No information can ever be destroyed. You may not be able to actually do this with any amount of computing power, but all of the information exists. If you burn a piece of paper, and you capture all the smoke from the paper, and you recombine all of the matter exactly the way that it was before you burned it, you would have an unburned piece of paper. Information on that paper is not destroyed. It has just been translated into a codex that is far, far, far too complex for us to ever decipher. But the information still exists in the universe. Because if you trace back every molecule bumping into every other molecule and you do everything exactly the way that it actually happened, that information exists. Now, that being said, the information that is in your brain, which we often assume is our consciousness, all of the information that we have, all of the everything in our brain that makes us us, if that is all there is, then even when you die, even when your brain stops working, that information is not destroyed. It is simply translated into a codex that is impossibly complicated but it still exists. So if all of the information in your brain still exists, isn't that consciousness? Hmm. Well, something to consider. Um, Thank you for listening. And uh, next week.